Amen. You may be seated. Man, I am tired. Uh, man, it's, it's, it's such a good tired, right? Now, the work of the Lord is just so, uh, in a way, uh, like, like we've experienced this week out here and over the weekend, it's, uh, it's, it's tough physically. But man, there's just a joy that comes from uh, when I woke, rolled out of bed this morning and, and almost hit the floor because my feet, my legs are a little wobbly. Uh, but no, such a such a great weekend, and uh, man, just so excited. Uh, many of you have heard the story over the weekend, but our Amplifies partner of the organization called Pulse. Pulse was founded by a gentleman that's going to come and share his uh, heart and what the Lord's laid on his heart this morning by uh, Nick Hall, and uh, just starting to become a, a good friend. And uh, man, his heart is to reach people with the gospel. Period. Uh, he has been blessed to uh, share the gospel with over 300 million people, and over 200 million have placed their faith in Christ. I mean, over 2 million, sorry, have placed their faith in Christ. And guess what? I, we're scrambling this morning to get numbers, uh, something to celebrate. We had 885 people place their faith in Jesus over the weekend. So, so excited for Nick. I'm going to bring him up. Y'all make Nick feel welcome this morning. All right, all right. How we doing, church? Make some noise. Come on. Well, hey, just just because you guys are, uh, man, you guys, I just want to say this. It's incredible. First off, anybody know it's incredible to be in the house of the Lord? Anybody thankful that there's breath in your lungs this morning? How many guys, like, you're not, you're like, man, I'm, I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not who I used to be by the glory of God, right? So we are here today because of Jesus, and I am, I'm so humbled and honored to be here. Um, man, just being here at Holland Bible, like, here with, with y'all, like, this is an incredible church, I hope you know that. This is incredible church. But you know the thing I think that's the most incredible about this church from what I've experienced is that this church isn't about this church. This church is about the big C church and this church is about the name of Jesus. Right? Amplify Festival, this whole thing happening and birthing from here. Even this weekend I met some leaders from different areas that have been planted and sent out from this church. And I just believe this church, this place, is a place of sending. This is a place of multiplication. This is a place that believes that the word of God is too good to keep to ourselves. Does anybody believe that? It's too good to keep to ourselves. So we can't keep it to ourselves. You know, I've been like lately, I'm like, man, why, why, do, we, why do we as Christians... Keep it to ourselves. Like, how many of y'all sang the song, uh, This Little Light of Mine, when you were a kid? Anybody? Come on. How many sing this song? Like, we've known this song since we were a kid, right? This little light of mine. Anybody? I'm gonna. Come on. This little. You know it. I'm gonna let it shine. This little. I like it. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You're good, okay? What is it? Hide it under a bushel? No. What are you going to do? 
Listen, we've been singing this song since we were little, but yet so many people today, they hide it under a bushel. Can we just be honest and say we, we, we done sang the song, and then we went under the bushel. And I think it's time to come back to the good news of the gospel. It's time to come back to a message that's worthy of sharing. You know, when I was little, my mom, my mom, if she was here, my mom's name is Kathy, and if she was here, she'd tell you in her life she's led four people to Christ. Four people. My sister, my brother, me, and one of our neighbors. And, uh, you know, she's like, Nick, I'm not an evangelist, but I just, I bring people to things. I bring people to things. I mean, my mom will pray you down. <laughs> I tell people, you get Kathy Hall praying for you, that's like 10,000 Mighty women of God praying for you because she is going to rally people. And I tell, like, people, my mom struggles with fear. Like, she struggles with fear. Like, she, my, like if you want to know what could go wrong, ask my mom. Like, she has thought about it. Like, when I was a kid, I was convinced everybody was a kidnapper. Like, everybody was coming after me. I was, like, running from, like, cars driving slow around the neighborhood. I was, like... You know, because my mom just, you know, she would read stuff and she would see stuff. But that's not because of her. Like, she grew up in a family where there was some fear. And actually, when my mom was little, she actually was at a county fair in rural North Dakota, which is where my family roots are from, at this fair in rural North Dakota. And uh, she's with her younger sister on the Ferris wheel in the county fair. And she's like 10, 11 years old. And you know what happened? My mom's 10 or 11. The Ferris wheel snapped. And my mom was at the top of the Ferris wheel, and that bucket dumped her out. Her and her little sister. And she's like, tells this story, like, still cries, like, hanging on to her little sister, like a scene from Cliffhanger. And my mom and her little sister fell out of the top of the Ferris wheel. I mean, like, broken bones and blood, and they're lucky they didn't die. But it's like, my mom has reason to be afraid. <laughs> you know, you know, I didn't go to a lot of amusement parks as a kid either. But I'm telling you, when you have a scar and you have a pain, like the enemy's going to keep hitting on it, but the Lord wants to redeem what the enemy meant for evil. The Lord can work for what? For good. He can work it out for good. And so my mom, she has to keep battling that fear and bringing it before the throne of God. And, and I tell you, it has made her a mighty woman of prayer. A mighty woman of prayer. You know, when I was little, I was like, I started to share my faith when I was little. My mom led me to Christ, and I was like four or five years old when I first shared the gospel, and I just couldn't shut up about Jesus, because I'm like, man, if this is the good news, we got to share it, and so like my joke is, I had to go to church to learn not to share my faith, because I thought everybody did it, until I got around Christians, and I realized it's weird to do this, but now I've just embraced I'm weird, and I think it's time for more people to get weird. Can we get weird? Can I just say, you know, I, I have this kind of, this dream of saying that you and I, that we will look back and say, do you remember? Because right now it's weird to share your faith out in the public. And you say, how do you, why do you say that, Nick? Well, I'll show you with the show of hands real quick. How many guys this last week had somebody come up to you in the wild and share Jesus with you? You're walking to work. You're going to get gas. You're at the cafe. Somebody came up and shared the gospel with you. Come on. 
There's got to be somebody. Nobody? In the last month, how many of y'all have had somebody come up to you and try to share the gospel with you? Somebody? Okay. It's because you look lost. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, you just, you got to ask the question. One person out of this whole church has had somebody come and share the gospel. Now, why is that? Because I haven't had somebody come share the gospel with me for over a year. Is it because, like what I would like to believe is it's because I look like Moses coming off the mountain. (laughs) You know, I'm glowing with the glory. Is that it? Or is it the opposite, that the church has stopped sharing the gospel? Because I'll tell you, in the last year, I've had people tell me a lot of things about a lot of stuff. I've had people tell me who to vote for. I've had people tell me whether I should vaccinate or not. I've had people tell me their views on masks. I live in Minneapolis now. It's crazy town, USA. I've had people tell me what lives matter and what lives don't. I've had people tell me to be quiet or get loud about this or that, and if I'm not loud about this, I'm not this, and if I'm loud about this, then I'm woke, which I still don't even know what that means, but it's a word that people like to use, and I'm just like, when is somebody going to tell me about Jesus? Because either this is the news we're here to rally around, or what are we doing here? Because can I just remind us, church, Jesus is not in the business of behavior modification. He is in the business of life transformation. And until there's a heart change in our nation, ain't nothing going to change. Now, I'm not here to discourage you from getting involved in education or politics or healthcare because we need godly men and women everywhere. But I'm saying... If you keep putting a Band-Aid on it, it ain't never going to get better until you go to the cure, and the cure is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we believe that this morning? And so I believe it's time for us to come back to our first love, and that's why I love that y'all are a church that's about amplifying the gospel. But it's one thing to do it through an event, it's another thing to make it a lifestyle. And so this morning, my challenge and my invitation for you is to recommit to this little light of mine. And say, you know what? I'm done hiding it under a bushel. And you may never be a street preacher, that's fine. You may never have a microphone, that's fine. But if you have a social media account, can I plead with you to post more about Jesus than you do about your other views? Man, no, no, no offense with your other views, but most of them aren't going to save anybody's soul. And some of them might be a little weird. Somebody tap your mom. And the number of kids that, that I know that wish their mom would get off Facebook. It's just, Mom, please, not again. Don't do it, Mom. But listen, I just want to tell you, like, I, when I was a kid, I was sharing my faith all over and And God keeps us humble, right? He keeps like, my mom would have all these verses up on my mirror. You know, God humbles the proud. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And and I was little, I was like, I wanted to be like Billy Graham. And uh, and I'm like, Mom, do you think Billy Graham just has the biggest mansion? He's got the biggest mansion in heaven. It's got to just be like juttered out on the sides, just massive. And my mom like knew, it was like my ego thinking still, like, even though it's for God, you get pride, and, like, who's the better Christian game? 
my mom's like, you know, Nick, there's probably some little old lady that nobody knows who's been faithful praying and interceding her whole life. And she's going to have a bigger mansion in heaven than Billy Graham. You see, before God, it's about faithfulness. It's not about big and small. It's about being obedient with what he's put in your hands. You know, when I was little, I, I would always try to get my friends to come, like, hey, let's share the gospel. When I was a teenager, I tried to get people to come, and, hey, can we do something together? Even when I was in college, I started a thing as a college kid. I'm like, hey, let's reach these small towns, and we would go from small town to small town, anywhere that would have us, and we're just trying to reach people with the gospel. It's like, man, we got good news, and we got gifts. Let's use them for the glory of God. And sometimes we'd go into these towns, and we'd call it like a revival meeting, and then like a year later, that church would be dead. And we're like, I guess it was a funeral, not a revival meeting. But we're just trying to preach. And we were just going after God. And how many of you guys know when you live out your faith, it does more for you than it does for them? Anybody ever been on a mission trip? Anybody ever been on a mission trip? How many of you guys went on that mission trip thinking you were going to help them and you found yourself being the one that God was helping? You see, it is better to give than to receive, and you and I are the ones that get to give this gift of life, and yet, as a kid and growing up, all these people, I'd say, let's do it, let's share the gospel, and people would tell me, Nick, I'm not loud like you, I'm not bold like you, like, I'm kind of to myself, and, you know, but then over the pandemic and over the last couple of years of political mayhem, I just come up to all my friends, there's a lot of Christians, I'm like, hey, I know that you used to very much be afraid of offending people. But judging by what you've been posting on social media, it seems you've overcome that fear of offending people. <laughs> and so I just want to come and say congratulations for overcoming the fear of offending people. I'm here to redeem this and put it in a more eternal destination. Because what you're posting is offending people, but it's not saving anybody. So this morning, I want you to get your Bible out, open up with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to hit this real quick. And, uh, and just because you guys are uh, the home team here, this is just some of the numbers that came in from this weekend. On Friday night, there was about 600 people that filled out a card that had a gospel response. And the reason we know this is we take the follow-up seriously. Okay. There was 500, and uh, there's 425 people that marked a first-time commitment on a card. There was 98, 94 people that said they recommitted their life to Jesus. There was 79 people that said they have question marks about God. So we want to get to every one of them. If you got a question about God, you want to talk to somebody, you're struggling through something, we want to connect you. There was another 390 people that texted in on Friday night a response to the gospel last night. There was 356 people that texted in for the gospel, 460 marked a cross, 86 marked a recommitment, and 86 marked a question mark. Let me just say this. You know what these numbers do? Because it's not about the numbers. These numbers show the power of the gospel and the hunger of people. The power of the gospel and the hunger of people because it's good news. And your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, they're made for this message. This is the message they're looking for, longing for, searching for, and we got it. We got to let it shine. 1 Samuel chapter 3, the title of my message this morning is Move Closer to a Revival Generation. Move Closer to a Revival Generation. I believe these are the days of the harvest. I believe Jesus is coming soon. I think our culture has two choices. It's either revival or judgment. 
I'm praying for revival. I know we deserve judgment. I know that's coming. But I believe there's a third great awakening coming before the return of Christ. And I'm contending for it, believing God that these are the days of the harvest. 1 Samuel chapter 3 says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. You could almost be saying that about 2023. In those days in America, the word of the Lord was rare. Not a lot of people preaching it. Even less people living it. Not a lot of people sharing it. It says there were not many visions, but one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming weak, and Eli, again, if you're to know the context here, Eli is the priest. He's the priest in the temple of God. He has been appointed by God. His people are called by God to minister. These were like the, the Israelites had ministers set apart to point people to truth and to call people to the gospel and to point people to, to, to what eventually would be the Messiah that's coming. Right? So Eli is in this place before God. He's an older leader. How many older leaders are in the room? Okay, you may not consider yourself a priest, but because of Jesus, there is a priesthood of the believer that you and I are all called to be ministers of the gospel. We are all called to be ambassadors of the gospel. You are no less significant than anybody on this stage. You are called of God. He has called you by name. He knows you. And there's influence that you have that your pastoral team can never have. Man, if Josh Turner comes into your work, people will be running. Here comes pastor, look out. But you're their friend. You're their coworker. You've earned their trust. You're there to say, hey, man, I'll give you my line. I like to say this to people. Hey, man, I, I need to apologize. Like, man, what's going on? I just need to apologize because, man, we've been friends for a long time. But, man, I've been afraid. I've been afraid of something to talk to you about because I don't want to offend you and I don't want to lose your friendship. Well, what are you sorry? What's going on, man? It's fine. It's fine. Well, bro, listen, you just got to know, like, the most important thing in my life is my relationship with Jesus. And I've never talked to you about Jesus. And for me to know you and not to talk to you about the most important thing in my life is for me to actually not be your friend. And so I just need to ask you to forgive me for hiding this part of me, because I want to know, are you okay? Is there something I can pray for? And where are you at with God? You see, it's only weird because we let it be weird. This should be the normal Christian life. First Samuel chapter 3 says, One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak they could barely see, was lying down his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, which means he's still kicking. How many guys are like, I feel like the lamp is close to going out, but I'm still here, baby. Come on, some of you guys woke up this morning. I know Josh and I were like, I feel like the lamp is about to go out. I wish the light wasn't quite on yet so I could sleep in a little bit more. So Samuel's laying down. So Samuel is this young man. So we got three layers in this story in the book of 1 Samuel. Three layers. Layer one is the parents of a generation. How many guys got kids? Anybody got a kid? Anybody got a kid? Come on. I mean, your kid might be 65, but they're still your baby. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're a parent, you're a parent for life, right? You got parents in this story. 
In the first Samuel, in the story of First Samuel, we have a model of godly parenting because Hannah couldn't have kids. Hannah is pleading before God in 1 Samuel 1, and Hannah decides to dedicate her family to the Lord. God, if you give me a child, I'm going to dedicate it to your house. You see, your job as a parent is to contend before God and ask God, God, would you save my family? Would you protect my family? Would you help me to be the parent they deserve? Now, let me just say, one of the realities of being a parent is feeling like you're a failure as a parent. <laughs> it's just constant. I'm, I'm, I totally messed them up. I thought they're going to remember that. They're going to replay that with a therapist someday, I'm sure. You know, there's, there's only one perfect parent. One of my friends likes to encourage me, there's only one perfect parent, and they both rebelled. Their kids both rebelled. God's the only perfect parent there ever was. He has Adam and Eve, and they both act like idiots. So if your kids are acting crazy, don't feel so bad. But that doesn't let you off the hook from being a parent that God calls you to be. So we're here coming before God saying, God, use me, use my family, use my kids. Hannah dedicates her son to the Lord and says, God, if you give me a kid, I'm going to dedicate him to your service. So now Samuel is Hannah's firstborn, and he is now dedicated. He's given his life for the mission of God. He's there in the temple. So you have an older leader investing in the next generation. You have parents believing in and contending for the next generation. And then you have a young generation that's hungry to receive. All three of these things are needed, and I believe all three of these things are in place right now for those that have eyes to see it. It says, Eli's lamp had not yet gone out, and all of a sudden Samuel hears a voice. And Samuel says, here am I. He thinks it's Eli. He runs over. He says, what's up, Eli? You called. Eli's like in bed. I didn't call. Go back to bed. How many of you guys ever your kid come to you in the middle of the night? You're like, what are you doing? I love you, but please never come again. This is a very difficult time for me. I was having a great dream. I was in the NBA. And I'll never have that dream again. Samuel, he hears a voice again. Goes to, goes to Eli. You called. Eli says, it wasn't me. Finally, Eli understands what's going on. We get down to verse 9. Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if you hear it again, he says, I think this is the Lord. You see, one of the biggest needs of a young generation is an old generation that's been walking with God and can help a young generation interpret the voice of God. To say, you know what, that's God. That's God's voice. Man, I'm so proud of you. What you're saying, that's God. Like, that's God. That's his voice over you. He's speaking to you. He's calling you. That's for you. Man, I had a leader come into my life. He was an older man. Nobody knew him. He wasn't, like, famous by any stretch. The thing that made him famous for me is he looked at me and he believed in me. He made time for me. He said, Nick, God's got his hand in your life and he's calling you. And, Nick, I'm proud of you. And, Nick, let's get in the word together. Let's listen to God together. So finally, Eli says, if God speaks again, say this. Say, God, here am I. Here am I, Lord. So he says this, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says this, Lord, speak. What does he say? Speak, your servant is what? Speak, your servant is listening. 
Now, if the only thing you hear this morning is to go forward from this place and start to pray that prayer, this sermon could change your life. If more Christians would walk out their life and say, God, is there anything you want to say in this place because I'm listening? Lord, I want you to speak because your servant is listening. Yesterday, I had the chance to go into a couple different places in Benton. And, uh, and I pray this prayer. God, is there, this is my prayer. This is my version of the prayer in, uh, in 1 Samuel. I say, God, is there anybody here that needs you? Is there anybody here that needs you? I find that everywhere I'm willing to ask that question, God has people. Now, Minnesota is the land of Target. I know Arkansas is the land of Walmart. So like how y'all have Walmarts everywhere, we have Targets everywhere. That's where their headquarters in Minnesota. Probably doesn't surprise you. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota, that makes sense they'd have Target. They're crazy, aren't they? But I go into Target, and I've just started to say recently, God, is there anybody here that needs you? Last couple times I've been in Target, I've got to pray with numerous people. There's one lady at the cash register, and I just make it simple. I say, hey, is there anything you need prayer for? How are you doing? Like, it's simple. Hey, how are you doing? Yesterday here at Dan's I-40, is it Dan's I-40, is that right? Is that it? I-30, Dan's I-30. I met Dan's, and I met, uh, I met Amanda. Amanda was there, and then I met some people at the table next to me. <laughs> And I just say, man, how are you doing? What's going on? Is there anything we can pray for? I, I, I say, hey, can I ask you a weird question? People are like, what? If God could do one thing for you, what would it be? And that would really get people thinking. Say, man, is there anything we can pray for? Anything you're going through? And don't worry, we're not just going to be weird and religious. We're going to tip you real good, too. <laughs> you can't talk about Jesus and then be a bad tipper. Let me just tell you. So if you're a bad tipper, just don't bother talking about Jesus. We don't want you representing us. <laughs> but I'm just saying this life of living beyond yourself. Samuel says, God, would you speak? Your servant is listening. Your servant is listening. So I'll just give you a couple quick points. Number one, I want to encourage you to listen to God. Evangelism has way more to do with listening than it does with talking. Evangelism is about listening to God, saying, God, what do you want to do here? And listening to people. That's what evangelism is. It's about listening to God and then listening to people and then listening to God about people. God, what is it you want to say to Amanda right now? What is it you want to do with my coworker right now? Most of us, man, you know why God's not speaking? Because you ain't listening. If you never ask God to speak, why are you surprised when he ain't saying nothing? Like if you never hang out with your spouse and you never talk, you're not going to be like, I just don't know why we don't have a good relationship. It's like, you bonehead. You got to be together to get to know each other. It's kind of how it works. This is no different with God. Like, am I close to his heart? Am I close to his voice? Do I know what he sounds like? Am I hungry for his word? Am I spending time in his presence? Am I saying, God, would you speak? Because your servant is listening. Last night, the festival's over. I get off the stage. I just got to tell you, my highlight of yesterday, this is no offense, it was not the festival. It wasn't the festival. I love the festival. I love seeing people know Jesus. I love to preach. 
My highlight yesterday was the people I got to talk to last night after the festival. I was out at, uh, at by the hotel we're staying at. There's a Mexican place right there. And we went to the Mexican place, and we got to spend time just talking about Jesus with this lady at the restaurant. And her name is Lydia. And her, her, she used to go by Gabriella. And she used to go to church. And she's got a call in her life, but she's running from God. She hasn't been to church in a long time. And you know, you know how I got to talk to her? I just did. <laughs> I listened. And I cared. Number one, listen to God. Number two, listen to their story. Listen to their story. You know why Eli is close to Samuel? Because he's listening to God, and he's listening to this young man, and he's able to stand in between God and man and contend for the things that are not of this world. we got to ask the question, are we living for this world, or do we want to live like this ain't it for us? You know, I travel a lot, and there's this word that I think about a lot, and some, sometime soon I'm going to write a book and the title is going to be homesick. It's going to be homesick. And I just think, man, about the number of nights I'm on the road and I just miss my home. I miss my family. I miss my bed. I miss my pillow. I miss my shower. You know, I just, the simple things. I just miss being home. I miss being home. And it just stirs my soul because a couple years ago my sister was dying of cancer and I was praying for her to be healed. And I just had to really wrestle with why do I pray so hard for her to be healed if I know that this isn't her home? I pray like this is our home. But if she's going home, why is that sad? And I know it's sad because it's hard for us. We grieve, we lose. And my daughter, or my daughter, my sister died. She died. It was horrible. It was horrible. But I watched my sister face death, and she was ready to go home. And it's made me wonder, where is my home? Where is my home? Where is my home? Am I homesick? Because I want to tell you about what we think about, we talk about. One of the reasons we're not talking about Jesus is we ain't thinking about him. You ain't talking about heaven because you ain't looking forward for heaven. You're talking more about the lake home you want, the vacation you want to go on, the promotion, the pickup truck, the fishing boat. That's what you got your affection and heart going. So you won't stop talking to us about bass fishing. I love bass fishing. Take me, please. Next time I come to Arkansas, let's go. But I'm here to say, where is our home? What is our treasure? What is this light? Because you may be a great fisherman, but I guarantee you, you're going to be a letdown at some point because there's a lot of bad days of fishing. There ain't no bad days following Jesus. He's always there. He's always faithful. He's always good. Number two, listen to their story. Number three, listen to their dream. Listen to their dream. Lydia, what's your dream? Amanda, what's your dream? Out the hotel, Diane. She lost her husband in the last couple years. Lost her mom. She said, "I lost seven people in six months." You know, and up until I asked her her story, I was annoyed that she wasn't checking us in fast enough. You guys ever been at a restaurant? You're like, "Come on, where's the server? Where's the? Come on, what's going? What's going on?" I mean, you can either live like a consumer or you can live like a missionary and a servant. The second you ask their story, the second you hear about them, 
the whole situation changes. They're not here to serve you. You're here to serve them. So we're there at the front desk of the hotel just praying for Diana. She's just crying. She just needs the love of God. She needs to know that she matters. Number three, listen to their dream. Number four, invest in their future. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. We're going to go back into worship and, and wrap our time this morning. But I just want you to see this as we, uh, as we close. I use this on uh, Friday night, and I'm going to show you real quick. So moving closer, moving closer, moving closer, listening, listening, listening. I mean, the, the Christian life comes down to, like literally, the, the Christian life comes down to how close can I get to Jesus? I want to get lost in Jesus. Like, I, how close can I get? I want more. I'm hungry for more. And I want to tell you, if you're hungry, he will feed you. He just will. He's got good food. He's got good food for you. But you and I's problem, and I'm putting myself in this, I'm not any better than anybody in this room. Our problem, the reason we're not hungry, is we're filling our lives with garbage. You're filling your life with garbage to numb the actual hunger you have. And you may be full, but you ain't satisfied because you ain't going to the source. You see, when you're satisfied, you got enough to give away. But when you keep feeding that hunger, you keep gorging yourself trying to numb and escape the pain you feel. Why? Because you ain't going to the source. But Jesus' invitation to us is come to me. He's not mad. We think of God maybe like this bully. No, man, God is loving and compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. We see the manifestation of the love of God through Jesus who literally came on a rescue mission for our soul. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. The son of God didn't come to condemn the world but to save the world. God's not mad at you this morning. He is longing for you to come home. It's an invitation to move closer. Moving closer means taking a step. Taking a step's hard. Every step of faith is hard. That's why it's called faith. It's not called safe. You can't play it safe and follow Jesus. Christianity is not boring. Lots of Christians are boring. Christianity is not boring. Christianity is going to change the world. It is changing the world. Jesus is going to have his glory. But it is a call to follow him, to move closer. Say that. Say, move closer. He says, man, I want your marriage. Can you trust me? God, I don't know. I don't really like this. I want your resources. Do you trust me to give? Do you trust me with your family? Do you trust me with your purity? Do you trust me? It's hard. It's hard. But every step closer to Jesus, he proves himself. Like, man, I thought it was good down there, but it's so much better up here. And there's another step. There's another step. And every step closer to Jesus in faith is a step closer to people who need him. I meet all kind of religious people who they're so religious. But, man, they're mean. They say, man, you're not even moving closer to Jesus. I don't even know who you're hanging out with because if you were hanging out with Jesus, you would be the most loving person in the room. But you're just a mean religious bully. You're hanging out with systematic theology books. You're cozying up to Greek hermeneutics. 
Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You can't move closer to Jesus and not move closer to the people that he came to live and die for. See, you and I are called, and we're called. Man, you're called. I want to tell you, you may got a little light. That's why the song's called This Little Light. It's not called This Mega Light. You're like, I don't got no Chris Tomlin Mega Light. No, you never sang about the Mega Light. You sang about your little light. If all of us take our little light, it becomes a Mega Light. So are you going to take your little light? Don't, don't get down on your light. Don't be like, my light's not as pretty as your light. No, you take what God's given you and you offer it to Jesus and let him do what only he can do. Man, that's the heart of Amplify. That's the heart of this church. That's the heart of the gospel. Say, speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. So if you're here this morning and you're saying, man, you know what? I'm done. I'm done hiding my light. Or you're saying, I want to recommit to this light. I want you to stand where you are if that's you. And we're just going to, we're just going to pray a prayer of commissioning. Because, man, I may be leaving Arkansas today, but the end of Amplify ain't today. We're going to amplify Jesus for the rest of our lives. If the world thinks they heard us loud this weekend, they ain't heard nothing yet. That was just one stage and one microphone. We're about to unleash a generation. I want you to put your hands in front of you like you're holding something. And just in this moment, I want you just to say, God, would you forgive me of the way I've handled your light? Where I've hidden it. Where I've judged instead of loved. Where I've been silent when I should speak up. But even as you're standing there, I just want to remind you that God is the one who saves. It's not on you. You can't, you literally, you're not going to mess it up because his glory is too big for us to mess up. And he keeps inviting us to come back home, to come back home, to come back home. And so, man, if you need him this morning, this is your day to say, Jesus, I'm yours. Save me. Redeem me. Heal me. God, I send out this church back to their cubicle, back to their farm, back to their place of work, back to their mom's group, back to their men's group, back to their softball team, back to their school, God. Lord, I send every person in this room out with the power of the gospel to go with your light and shine. We are doing no one a service by hiding the light. The light was made for the darkness. And there has never been a better time to be in the light business than today. So may we not complain about the darkness. May we do something about it. Jesus, set us on fire. Use us for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said.